When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Welcome along to episode 49 of the Bitter Edge Supporters Trust podcast brought to you as always by the White Hag Brewing Company and um, we are recording on Wednesday evening. Uh, it's the usual crew here with us. We've got Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are you? Good, Connor. Thanks. Thanks a million. Uh, Sean Dunn, how are things? Great, Connor. And live from the showgrounds, it's Shane McGill McGoldrick. How are you, Shane? I am fucking fantastic, Connor. Good man. Um, so uh, we'll start off with apologies for our... Um, Shane's language. Our, our <laughs> Shane's language, yeah. And uh, for our break in uh, broadcast there for the last 20-something days. Um, uh, we had six, six children. We had six children. We had six children. And um, we With had... More than six um, children. <laughs> between the lot of us. Yeah. Uh, and we had uh, work commitments and stuff like that, so apologies. But here we are anyway to round off the season, and uh, we're delighted to be with you. Um, also, just to uh, to mention from the the off, we're going to be speaking to uh, Mark Byrne, who today signed a new two year contract uh, with the club, and um, we've a great conversation with him about um, how he got on the season and what he's looking to do next season uh, with the Bitter Red. So, um, look, what are we going to talk about uh, this evening? Well. Uh, we, I suppose we'll, we'll look back and we might do a bit of looking ahead as well. But um, on the most part, it's been, um, despite our doubts uh, a month or maybe a month and a half ago, uh, we got over the line with time to spare. And really, it's, it's hard to find fault with, with, um, with much of it at this, at this stage, considering it's our highest finish in a number of years. Um, I don't know, is that fair to say, Magoo? Uh, oh, yeah, it's definitely fair to say. I'm smiling away here because I'm thinking that of all the weeks that we did try and find fault with. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I believe I've already apologised for Adam on a previous <laughs> part. So, um, I look, you know, for, for a club like ours, it doesn't happen too often qualifying for Europe in the first place, but doing it two years in a row, like, it's a massive achievement. And, yeah, yeah like, you have to just take the hat off and, and that to, to Liam and the, the, the coach and staff and the players and everything for achievement. Like, you know, it was... You know, like you, you could look back with a bit of a tinge on it, thinking, look, we, you know, if only and that slump during the season, we could have pushed higher. We, you never know what might have been. But look, at the start of the season, our ambition was to get Europe again. And Liam said on our own pod that if you finish, progress to him is finishing a, a step higher every season. And he's achieved that as well. So all in all, you can't complain really, can you? Yeah. Um, look, Jerry, I think if... I think the fact that we started so well was probably um, went against us as well. Um, you know, someone had said to me, if if the results that we got in the first half of the season were spread out across the season, um, are you know many people's <clears throat> opinion of the campaign during the campaign might have been very different. 
Yeah, look, you're always going to have peaks and troughs, though, aren't you? No matter what, um, even Sean's went through through a bad patch. Um, our bad, bad patch kind of happened at a bad time, yeah. and that is was in and around our European um, ties and our cup ties. Um, it was unfortunate, but look, I suppose there was a few factors that contributed to it, like in terms of injuries and suspensions and having a small squad and like with the squad that we have and with the squad that we'll have next season, you know, although I think we will have a stronger squad, if you take four or five players out, it's it's always going to hurt us. Um, and we just needed that little bit of luck on our side. And had we had that, you know, God knows where we would have ended up. But I definitely think we would have, we've got, would have got second. Um, I think we were a better team than Pats. Looking back on Pats, there's very, very few injuries. They were very, very fortunate. I think we were a better side, a better squad. Um, and look, you know, I'd be confident going into next season, uh, Connor. Yeah. Um, Sean, like the biggest, we'll get the disappointments out of the way, but the, the biggest disappointment, I suppose, is is the European. Like you could take getting knocked out of the cup at such an early stage. But um, and look, we've discussed it at length, I suppose, on the podcast. But the, the biggest disappointment from the season, I suppose, was was the European game. And we, we talked to Mark about it a little later on, but um, that was the, the major hang up, especially when you're looking at Dundalk and Bowles progressing through rounds. That's what hurt the most, I think, for all. everyone is just seeing the progression that other clubs made within Europe. And so the benefits of the, the Europa Conference and what it can bring to your club. But we definitely, we look, we dropped the ball on that one big time. So it yeah. was, but we learned from our mistakes, hopefully. Go on, Joey. Yeah. Just, um, I actually um, had a bit of time on my hands last night. I was lying in bed, but I was looking, I was checking out. Uh-huh. The, That's the only thing that was in your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, up, yeah. <laughs> hey. Um, we're going down a different route. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but uh, I was looking, <laughs> I was looking at the the the, the league table, uh, the, and, and HF are actually second from bottom. Oh God, Jesus! Uh, they're in big relegation trouble. Uh, there's 22 games gone. Uh, they're in big big bother. So that just shows you the 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 the. the, the the quality of the side that we were up against, we absolutely one hundred and ten percent left behind us. You know, the other thing that, that can, the other thing that crossed my mind about that is like it might have been very different as well if there was, you know, two or three hundred uh, or maybe a hundred Rovers fans over there as well. Like the fact that we yeah. couldn't travel, um, it might have like you know when you're on the way, on the way trip of Rovers and you're kind of interacting with the team and they feel that sense of support and you know you're in around the hotel and there's that great buzz and it was probably very sterile and stale when they went over there never mind COVID itself like you know but that may have been a factor as well things could have been a bit different if you had a few of us roaring from the stands you think about um, you think about the, the result that was secured in uh, in Norway a couple of years ago and you know the lads uh, you know the, the support that came from the stands for, for that game yeah I think I think that's a fabulous point to be honest with you Um I think if we had, we would have brought 150, 200 fans. The noise that they would have made to push the team on uh, would have made a huge, huge difference. And I know from uh, talking to not particularly the players, but a couple of the, the backroom people, like they went over, they were locked in hotel rooms from basically morning to night. It, they couldn't even interact with each other. It was a very, it was a very uh, alien situation to them. I don't think. HF actually had the same type of lockdown here as what we had over there. I know yeah. they stayed in Sligo Park and 
they had a bit of a ball where we went over there and it was very, very sterile. It was very, very, they just were locked just, up in the rooms. And, and that was the way, that, that wasn't true. They, that wasn't the club. That was the way they were treated over there. Uh, or that's the way, they, not treated, but that's the way the situation was. Yeah. Um, so I just think the whole situation probably didn't help us. Um, and a lot of people point to the turning point in the season or the slump that was Greg Bulger getting sent off. That's a lot of nonsense, to be fair. Um, Very unfair as well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just because one player gets sent off, we lose the next seven games. Oh, something must have happened in the camp. Yeah. Like, yeah you'll hear the Mark Byrne uh, interview in uh, in a few minutes. Like, like he's saying about, you know, when they're going through the seven-game slump, that himself and, and Niall Moran were staying up till all hours in the morning wrecking their heads how they could fix it how what was going wrong so you can't blame one player getting fucking sent off in a european game that contributes it's just things went against us you know with shit timing but look having said that too it's like going back to the fingal cup final don't don't sorry don't do that no but sometimes you need to lose one shitty yeah 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 yeah, I think also, Jerry, that that's the European game. I think that a lot of the players would have felt that the less, not only themselves down, because they knew well they were a better team than that uh, HF crowd, but they would have felt that they let the club and the fans down because, as you say, it was there for the take. We were the better, a better team than then. They knew, we knew it. And I'd say the players, it probably did affect their confidence a wee bit in that regard, that they probably felt to let everybody down like we all know we talk, we spoke about it enough about the money and what it means to the club and stuff like that and I, I suppose that probably just affects their confidence for a few weeks and it, you know they were just probably down on themselves and a bit low and you know it, you, you know like yeah from f- playing football at any level when you're in better form and you're better and you're on top of yourself in, you in, your, in, in your own self yeah like you're going to play better and you're going to feel more up for us and, and just just in the second leg as well just one thing to, to touch on um, was the officials um, I thought normally in Europe um, the, the officials are pretty decent but I thought in this first leg look I, I don't think it was sending off right but apart from that they, they were they were grand second leg I thought they were absolutely appalling. Um, I agree. They got so <laughs> they got so many decisions wrong, and I think even with the one of the the lines uh, person put in a complaint against the club, um, when there was absolutely nothing other than that. You're right there, Shane. He's pointed at me for giving out to them. Oh right, <laughs> oh, but like it, it was it was some of the worst official officials I've seen in Europe. Uh, ever um, they gave everything against us and, I think as um, well something that has to be looked at and we were all buzzing going in obviously to the European tie at the time and probably spe- talking up the team an awful lot but when you look back on it there's a bit of European naivety in the squad as well because I think two players that started out in Iceland had played in Europe before yeah, the rest of the yeah. team hadn't and it's a very young squad that we had as well so I think that kind of you can take that into account as well in some regards a little bit. A little. But, but you can probably say that as well, Sean, about um, certain instances across the season when, uh, you know, the, you, you think that the team could have been a little bit more savvy in how they, um, in how they dealt with situations. Like, you know, uh, that, look, it comes down to experience, I suppose. I mean, the, Finn, a way to Finn Harps kind of comes to mind and how mm. we should have just put that to bed, like, you know, against 10 men. But we, you know, we did things that maybe... On reflection, we, we they probably wouldn't have done, but um, 
yeah, look at um, I suppose without dwelling too much on uh, on the negative side of the season. What? Sorry, Jerry, go on. No, like I know, no, we won't, definitely won't. We won't. Um, look, I'd always be of the mind to try and turn a negative into a positive, and the positive that I would take from it is that, like the Fingal Cup final, is that you know we came back a lot, lot stronger, and we came back a lot, lot wiser in the future, and I think that will be the case going forward. The only thing is that we do need a bit of luck in the European draw next year. Mm. Yeah. I think if we were to play the same tie again, we'd absolutely wipe the floor with them. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, considering the competition, are we not in a better place to meet, more more likely to meet similar level opposition? Yeah, but I think we let, we met the bottom of that um that, yeah. that, that group and um, like we could have met the, the Polish, Polish team yeah and um, look not to say that they're world beaters but you know the Polish team is obviously a lot stronger than uh, yeah the Atlantic the Atlantic League so yeah another thing that crossed my mind if um, Lyle Moran and Mark Byrne didn't spend so many nights up till all hours thinking about it maybe they would have performed a little bit better just a little bit of food for thought yeah. there you know <laughs> that's not a lesson learned yeah look at <laughs> The young guys, the young guys. Yeah, young guys, young guys. Um, so that's that was the negative side of things. Uh, what about uh, highlights from the season? What what are your your standout moments? Uh, I think it's probably fair to say Johnny Kenny. That's the one that screams straight out. In and in and of himself, um, is probably our um, is probably the 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 best part of well you know yeah. yeah one of the best parts of the season that he had such a that he kept the fruition so much I suppose you know yeah like we kind of knew it was coming you know we I remember speaking on the on the earlier pause about uh, about a match of the friendlies and something and that so you kind of knew what was coming but I think he surpassed everything anybody expected really and he? he's just he's blown up completely and these last couple of weeks has been uh, unreal like he's been unreal I remember saying earlier in the season that he Watching him on the rage, like once he starts scoring and gets in the role, yeah, he does his thought. Like he, he must have scored his last six or seven games in a row now, including the Irish games. Like, yeah, he's just that's right. Like, like he's a goal machine. That's a goal machine. But and you consider that, like I know since the start of the season he's signed pro terms and everything, but he's really only been professional since June because he was yeah. in school and that's stuff right. like that. So he was mixing school with training and stuff. So he'd be missing training or he'd be coming late or. He get time off school to come train and etc. And he's still doing his leaving cert and all that. Like so, really since June, like the lad's been professional since June. We're now in November, and like the numbers he's putting up is ridiculous for an eighteen-year-old. Ridiculous. You look at it, Magoo, as well. As you says, we kind of expected it to happen that he would become a really, really good player. But I don't think anyone could have expected the maturity he's shown and his development. The way he's developed is just—he plays the game like a twenty-eight-year-old, like he's been playing ten years as a pro his movement everything on the pitch is just it's way beyond his years it's mm-hmm. it's brilliant to watch it's as a as a slight rovers fan and seeing one someone come through your academy a local lad as well with ingrained in the club obviously due to his dad and everything else it's just yeah it's it's a perfect scenario yeah and i think as well i think look with johnny is that you know look technically he's very good uh, his movement is just off the charts right but the biggest thing for me is his hunger. Yeah. Absolute hunger to score goals. Absolute hunger to win games. You know, that's just that that's what sets him apart. You, you could that's see that the modern day footballer. He's a bit of a throwback to the do you know that uh, 
fucking he has that bit of nasty in him too doesn't he Joe? Yeah, and you can see mean? that you can see that from the very first game against uh, Dundalk as well where yeah. he was sticking it up to Nadestad you know from minute one like and yeah. Nadestad's a, not, not a small man like you know yeah. but Johnny was in his, it's was, an international and everything like and Johnny yeah. doesn't give a, give a fuck like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as well, you know what I mentioned about that he's a bit of a throwback to 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 in terms of era, right? In that, what you get with a lot of centre forwards now is that they like to drop uh, into midfield, pick it up, and do the tippy tappy stuff, right? Look, he can do that, but that's not his number one. He wants to get in behind. Yeah, you know, get shots off centre halves. You know, get get in behind them. Maybe drop deep, take a touch, and then spin and get in behind. Whereas you don't see that enough in the game, in my opinion, anymore. Everybody wants to play as a number 10 yeah. or as a false number nine. This bullshit, like, absolute <laughs> bullshit. You're a centre forward. You're there to score goals. Spoken, spoken like a true centre forward. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. Get in and bust the keeper. Do whatever you have to do. Put the ball in the net. It doesn't matter. Never mind all this fucking... You know, I'm a great, I'm a lovely looking footballer, I'm great. Fuck that. Score goals. <laughs> there for that's what he does. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna premise the next uh, bit of the conversation by saying I don't know I don't know anything about um um what Johnny Kenny's gonna do or what may what he what he might do next season. But do we think that we'll see him in a rovers jersey next season? I think it's fair to say no, none of us uh, probably know, but do, uh, Sean, do you think you're gonna see him in a Sligo Rovers jersey next season? Hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think it's in doubt at all. There'll definitely be interest. There'll be huge interest, but I think that boy is his head screwed on. He knows games here is going to be more important in his development. Sure, even, if, even if he only stays till the summertime. It's 100%. 100%. I think it's, I think it's better for, like you go over play under 23. Look, I watched Everton in Leicester City last night. Or, yeah. Last night, yeah. Such a lot of shite. In fairness, <laughs> I, I could have played. It's just... Again, it's going back to tippy tappy, wishy washy, no bit of blood and guts, sideways, sideways, backwards. You have it, I'll have it. Nothing like what he's what he's playing now currently. Look, I know there's benefits going over in terms of maybe strength and conditioning and stuff like that, but you can't beat senior men's football. Um, and you talk, look, and I, I put this stat out here before. I think I was looking at the top 10 English born goal scorers in the Premier League about three quarters of the way through last season, right? And seven out of the 10, off the top of my head, played non-league football or say that, that yeah, hour yeah. level football, right? League two, maybe. And every, I guarantee you, look, look at Calvert-Lewin, right? He would say that the best thing that ever he done was went down lower league uh, and played men's football. That's what made him the player that he is today. It wasn't under 23 football or academy football. That's what made him the player he is. And every like you've got Antonio, you've got Vardy, you've got us. Oh, I can't remember the rest, but they're, they're all out there, um, yeah. and that's invaluable. And I think maybe Sean has said like, look, the worst case scenario is that he stays to uh, look. At, at the end of the day, John, we want what's best for the club. We want, but we want what's best for Johnny too. Like we're we're not that type of club or people. We we take so much pride and 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 uh, passion and and how he's going to get on and what I think personally not that what do I know but I just think he's better off staying for a while and, and keep doing I think even look at look look at Evan Ferguson for example yeah he went from Bozo actually in that game yeah 
Um, he's doing really well. He's playing underage, obviously, and in yeah. the under twenty threes and that for Brighton. He's doing well. He's scoring goals and all that. But you think if he had stayed here another season with Bowles last season, he probably would have taken that Georgie Kelly mantle, and he could have easily been top goal scorer in the league as well. Fantastic footballer, which probably would have led to him getting a first team move over to England and be more involved with a first team instead of an underage setup. He still has to go through and try and get break into the first team squad, get training, get everything. There's a long process still when you're playing underage football. Whereas Johnny, if Johnny even stayed here, and look, Johnny could have a move organised. We don't know. Hmm. Yeah. You know. We're just saying this. This is only our opinion. But you stay here, you play another few games, maybe get another 12 goals before the summer even. And then you get a move. But you're going to get a first team move. You're going to be over involved with someone's first team in and around getting games. And that's the most important thing for him. I don't think a move over to an underage side is what he needs. He's playing men's football, as Jerry says. European football. Yeah. You know, the experiences he's gaining now are huge. And he'll know that himself. His dad will know that. I'm sure he's represented by an agency at this stage of the game. They'll know that as well. Benefits for him and the club too. And his agent. Yeah. What's that, Magoo? What's that, Magoo? It benefits both Johnny and the club if he stays. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he, 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 if he stayed for the whole season next year, he's bagging the league 20 goals, league goals at least. That's that's that puts his price up as well as Sean says, gets him a move. You're not going, you, if you're a top scorer in the League of Ireland, you're not going to Carlisle, it doesn't matter, yeah, but you're not going to, the, you're not going to the fucking under 23s anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think another 100%. one that has to be mentioned, lads, and I think he's flying under the radar, and I think there's going to be interest there is John Mahan. Oh, yeah, yeah. we're looking. I, I, he was, he. If I was to pick a player of the season, and for me it was John Mahan, um, because of the amount of games that he played, and I just thought some of the performances that he put in over that season were like he could not have done more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just he was my he was my player of the season. You're, I bear think in I mind, Connor. Bear in mind, I think he played the last eight or nine games of the season injured. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's just gonna say. Yeah. You know, so yeah. like, he was a warrior for us. Yeah. But it also, if you watch John throughout this season as well, he's benefited massively from having Gary Buckley. He's learned off him. He, you can see he's learning his trade as well and taking in what Gary Buckley's te- teaching him. Coming. Yeah, coming him down in the ball, but also playing out from the back as well. He's become a far better footballer. He's trusting like, in his own abilities. Like, yeah. he, he's been <clears throat> sensational. Like I know Alan Cawley, and I was laughing actually, I was watching Alan Cawley and he's been shouting it all season that he reckons John is the best centre half in the league. And I watched him get shot down on it a couple of times on the telly when he says it. And it's just pure ignorance. People aren't watching. They're just Marvel. expecting, oh, ha- the best centre-half has to play for Shams or he has to play for Bowes. Who are you going but to pick ahead of him? Couldn't be. Yeah, there's nobody. But that's... I, that's s- I, said, it last, I said it last part. The only man who's ahead of him who you could even... who would be on a par with him in the country is Gary Buckley. His <laughs> fucking... His partner. That's it. Yeah. If you were, if you were to go tomorrow and pick two centre-halves for your team, the, the two, two of them are walking into it. But the stats uh, back it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like someone can pull out a folder and say, "Well, look at this, this, this." No, it doesn't. That's the two best. It, it, it is, it is, it is a bit frustrating though uh, when you see. Um, we spoke about this earlier on that when you see Lopez get picked for Player of the Season, right? Yeah, and you don't see John, John, or or Gary get in, right? And then Young Player of the Year, you don't see Johnny get in. And Magoo, you said it, and I just said it. It's snobbery. It's pure and it's double eccentric. It's pure snobbery. Oh, it's pure, yeah. But look, we, we were talking about it before we started recording, but to have Lopez and Forrester 
in that competition mm-hmm. is ridiculous. It's yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I'd say they'd, they'd actually stand up to themselves and say, right, what, yeah, exactly. they've had better seasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, we've, we've often, we, like I've seen on Twitter before and stuff like that, that we're accused down here of always complaining about a Dublin bias, this and a Dublin bias, that. And we, we even had Dan McDonald on this pod to, and he was trying to explain it. And in fairness, yeah. he did make good points <laughs> and some of them were relevant and some of them were good points. But there's no way he can explain this one away. This is a total Dublin bias with this fucking poll. Absolute yeah. 100%. From people who don't go to games or they just hear a bit of waffle in the background about when they're walking around Dublin or sitting in a calf or on the fucking bus or something like that, hear people talking about, oh, this film must be good. And, this and, and, and best, this of luck, best of luck to the lads. Best of luck to them, right? No, or, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? Do you know what, right? I was looking at, you know, Kenny's kids uh, and yeah. he put up a, um, a poll yeah. as in who should be picked for the young player of the year, right? I think like 30% of the people picked uh, Colin Whelan. So I don't know how many, there was a couple of hundred people that, that partook in that poll. But of that 30%, how many of them actually seen Colin Whelan play? Because I've probably seen him play one game. Yeah. You know, how many people watch the UCD? Uh, like it's hard enough to watch UCD in the flesh. And they're a lovely team, right? It's hard enough to watch them at Belfield, right? But how many people sat down in front of a computer screen and actually watched UCD's games this season that 30% of the people that voted could give it to Colin Whelan? Yeah. Well, we know none of them were at Belfield because there's never anyone at Belfield. But that's the point. So how did he get picked? And how is he getting 30% of the vote? Well, that's what I say to you. It's just they're listening. It's not that nobody's... Yeah. It's media, right? Media, yeah. And he's signing for Shams. Yeah, he's signing for Shams and there's a bit of talk about him because of his... Uh, playing with uh, the under 21s lately and stuff like that, and, yeah. and I'm sure he's a fabulous player. But how how many people have seen him play really consistently? Can you imagine the hype that'd be around him if he was actually from Dublin? Yeah, he's Kilkenny, isn't he? Waterford, I think. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah and like somebody said on Twitter, <clears throat> um, under one of the it might have been under the Kenny's under the Kenny yeah, kids, play, he's from Kilkenny, but he played for Waterford, okay. yeah. um, you know, that um. For all the goals that uh, that Whelan scored, you know the majority of them were against Cavan Teeley and um, and the likes of Atlone Town. Like, which you know, in fairness, you know, in fairness, you know, all credit to your Cavan Teeleys and your Atlone Towns. But you know, yeah, ju- you know what, Connor? Right, I'd say he's sitting in his wee uh, box room with his cooker in front of him up in Dublin, right, with his ears absolutely burning. <laughs> But in fairness, he probably is a good player. And ah, of course, I looked no doubt about but it. But as, as as it was said on Twitter, Maliki and Twitter, or whatever that as a goal, like Johnny scoring against Bowles here last week, he's scoring European goals. Like he's he's an eighteen year old, just gone eighteen, just finished school. He scored twelve league goals to get his team into Europe. To get us, he's pushed us over the line into European spot. Like it's just beggars belief for him not to be in the. Like, I'm not standing here saying that he should get it ahead of Dawson Devoy, yeah. get yeah. the actual athlete, but he should be in the final. has to be in the conversation. He has to be in the conversation. It's a disgrace that he's not. Absolute disgrace. Yeah. Even, go, if, for instance, go back to the Bulls game there. He scores one of the best goals of the season. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's an unbelievable. He tore a fella that got praised that I've ripped apart on this pod a couple of times now is Rob Cornwall. He has nightmares about Johnny Kenny because he destroys him every time he comes near him. And like, that's a centre half who got praised. Nightmares about you too. Beyond his ability. Huh? He's nightmares about you too. 
probably does. He's useless. <laughs> I mean, he's broken. Um, Liam Kerrigan also nominated for uh, Player of the Year in the First Division. I think uh, I'm right in saying that as well. Yeah. Um, Along with Colin Whelan and uh, Sean Brennan, is it? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Brennan from Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, look, what we'll do is we'll get to um, our conversation with uh, Mark Byrne, who, as I said at the start of the podcast, signed a new two-year contract with the club um, this season. So here we go. This is our chat with Mark Byrne. Congratulations, Mark, on um, signing a, a two-year deal uh, with the club. Um, I suppose it's definitely deserved after, uh, after the, the season that you've had. Did, um, did So you made 22 appearances uh, across the season. Uh, did you achieve your own goals uh, in the season just past? Yeah, I suppose I did. Um, I always, I'd always set goals at the start of the season and kind of my goal this season was to kind of play half or more than half the games in the season. And uh, I felt like I did that. Well, another goal that I would have, I would have had was to score more goals, which obviously didn't happen other than the Bowls game. But uh, going into next year, I suppose that's something I feel like I can contribute to. So um, I suppose, yeah, I, as my goals for this year, kind of one of them was achieved. Anyways. OK, we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, the first game of the season, I suppose, when you had a, um, a goal robbed from you. We'll get yeah. to that in a minute. but. Um, like I suppose it's not uh, you've been you've been in and around the club for I don't know for five years. Is that for, is that about right? Maybe four years. I was I was here since I was fifteen and I'm twenty one now. So six good maths, Connor. There you go. <laughs> there, there about six years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, is there? Like it, it must feel you must have a kind of a sense of even though you're you're a male man from Kilkelly. Um, you, you must feel that you're very much part of the setup, considering that I suppose you've come up with a number of players who've progressed from the academy. Is there a, a, set, a good bond between you and those guys that, that you've you've come through the the age groups with? Yeah, there definitely is. Like from you can see from under seventeen since I came in, there's obviously John Mahan that's in there now. Niall obviously obviously that's in there now. Um, Liam Kagan, that would have been in there. That was obviously with UCD now. Um, and then there's Darren, there's Scott, there's all these different players that we've kind of came through uh, since kind of first year under 17 level. Uh, it's definitely a good bond. We still get on with each other. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was easier coming into the first team setup, knowing that that these players were, were in there already and that we kind of, we knew people coming in and uh yeah, definitely go bond between us. Uh, so, did you is is John Mahan your age group? Did are, are are all those guys of a similar age group? John is a year older. Okay. John and Ed will be a year older, but they we would have uh, every second year would have been on the same same team. And when you're coming through the age group, so when you're playing under 15, 17, 19, uh, did you? Did you feel that there was a kind of a clear pathway there for you to actually end up playing with the senior team? Was there, was, is there a, or I suppose you, you probably had a belief in your own ability, but was there um, 
I suppose, did, did ye as a group of players believe that that's where you were going to end up? Yeah, I definitely do think that, especially because at under-17 level we came in and we had, I think, the best in the country in terms of having Niall Harrison, Daniel O'Leary and Colin Jinks with us because I think they nearly were ahead of the game in terms of technically they they knew uh, how to kind of make better players and form us into certain certain players that would be able to go and play at a certain level, first team level, obviously. Um, then I, I suppose under 17 was kind of learn the technical side of the game and then get going into under 19, going in with Brian Dorian, kind of, he made sure you knew that after that, if you were to get into the first team, uh, kind of adjusting physically, mentally, knowing what, what's going to come at uh, first team level. And uh, so kind of the combination of both kind of helps in terms of um, going into the first team, moving into the first team. Um, lads, jump in at any stage if you have any questions. But I know, uh, Mark, you, in an interview you did with Jessica Farry, I don't know, it might have been, it might have been last season, you spoke about um, Colin Jinks as well, who you'd worked with in, in IT Sligo. Is he a coach that, uh, that stands out for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because he kind of lets you express yourself in a way. He makes sure that you go out there and enjoy the game pretty much. And that's been that. It's been that way since I came in. And obviously I've had him three years under 17 level and then I had him for the IT. So, uh, yeah, he was he was a massive help uh, for me the last few years or so. And, th- sorry, go on, Dunner, yeah? No, I was just going to t- ask Mark there about uh, the connection then going into the first team with the lads that you've come through with. Has that bond still been able to take place in the first team you're like are you still feeding off each other within is the same kind of tactics been implied by Liam that was happening under the likes of Jinxie and, and Niall and Danny as you were coming through and even Dinky then as well yeah definitely I think all through age groups I suppose since Liam's came in uh, he's kind of made sure the uh, youth systems kind of play a certain way because he obviously players all the players he's brought in um uh, he wants to make sure that they know coming in the certain way he wants to play that's obviously kind of um possession based football um so going through like going through that yeah everyone that i've played with from a younger level coming through that's came through yeah we all have that bond of knowing uh the game i suppose properly how it's supposed to be properly played. And just so, actually as well, sorry, did you play with Johnny Kenny at any stage coming up? Did Johnny ever come up into your levels underage? Because just watching on this season, the two of you linking up on the pitch, it seems like you just have a, there's an automatic connection there. And it just, I automatically assumed that it was from an underage level that just came through into the first team as well. But you seem to vibe off each other a good bit on the pitch. Yeah, I've, had, I've actually had a good, a lot of people say that to me, but uh, no, we've never played underage level together. He would have, he would have been a little go bit younger than me. Like he's just turned eighteen this year, which is yeah. crazy. Like especially the year that's had. But um, no, just on the pitch, I, I suppose uh, we kind of know what each other are good at, so we kind of feed off that. And uh, I suppose 
kind of yeah it's worked well this season I suppose what what's the the step up like or what's the difference between playing under 19 and and for the senior team what's the, the most obvious difference is it the physicalities of the game and the physicality of the game or, or what is it I suppose I suppose a bit of both uh, physicality quick the the pace of the game like I remember first time I was in with the first team just the, the pace of the game like you couldn't play you couldn't take more than two touches like um so kind of having to adjust to that and then my first preseason uh we were doing double sessions and I remember it was extremely tough I found it was so hard to adjust to it I, I remember I come home just wanting to go to bed from the time I'm home which would be four or five o'clock till the next day I found it so tough. Obviously, I'm just doing now. I find fine now, but geez, at the at the start, I thought it was I thought it was horrible in one sense, but uh, definitely definitely helped me. And speaking on the mental side of the game as well, Mark, how tough did you find it in your debut season? Really, I know you made a couple of appearances last season, but to go through that bad spell that we had, how tough was that for you as a young player coming into the side? You know, to go from the highs us kicking off top of the table and everything to go into that kind of low then for such a long period of time. How was that for this you is, mentally? Yeah, this season. This season, yeah. this season, this season. Yeah. Um, very tough. Very tough. Like, um, <laughs> I suppose sleepless nights in a way uh, when we were on the, when we were on the seven losses in a row. Just trying to figure, I suppose when you're on that run, you just want to, even a draw, even a draw will do. But we kept we kept losing, and you're thinking ahead. When's this? When are we gonna come out of this? When are we gonna come out of this? When we come home, I suppose first one, maybe the first one or two, you'd be thinking, all right, we turn this around because of how well we were doing at the start, and then just kept going on. And I remember coming back from games, and me and Niall would be up till all hours speaking about like what's going on, like what what what's the story, how has this happened, or whatever. And I suppose yeah, sleepless nights. It was it was hard in a way, but I'm thinking back now. Uh, it probably helped. It's going to help in the next few years, I suppose. Being at the club, so um, yeah, it was. It was a tough. It was a tough time. Um, we talk a little bit about you. You spoke already about your the kind of connection that you have with Johnny Kenny in in the first game of the season when um, when we uh, we drew with Dundalk. Um, yourself and Johnny seem to really connect. And I suppose, well, I for one got very excited. I thought this is going to be, this is going to be an incredible combination for the, um, probably unfairly, you know, what we know and what we know now, but I thought that at the start of the season, this is going to be a, a great, uh, a great combo for, for the club. But um, I suppose just looking back in that game, it was, it, it was bittersweet for you, I suppose, insofar as it was such a good performance, but you had that goal uh, that was ruled offside, that was never offside taken off you. How, how were you after that? Yeah, not great at all. Not great at all. Uh, I presume you knew you were well on side. Oh, I knew full well. I knew full well. I knew that ball was played backwards, and then I could, I just couldn't get. Like I was, I was just about to celebrate, and then I hear the whistle be blown. I'm like, I was thinking, what's going on here? Then I see the linesman with the flag up, and I was like, how on earth has he made that decision? Like, I, obviously, you've probably seen, you've seen probably the pictures as well. They're clearly behind the ball, but look, 
one of them things that's going to happen. It's going to happen in this league, especially when you don't have VAR or anything like that. Um, but um, it's a tough one to take. I, I'll still think about it to this day. I still think because it would have been an unbelievable start to the season in terms of uh, as a group, but we would have won that game. That would have been three points. We would have won the game. And then for me personally, uh, kind of get my first goal would have been would have been nice as well. But look, uh, these things these things happen in football. And how do you how do you look back on the season? I mean, obviously we as we spoke about we had the the dodgy period. Um, but on did 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 the season did we meet our uh, targets as a club or as a team? Did you meet your targets in finishing third? Was that kind of the overall goal? Yeah, I suppose we sat down at the start of the year and we kind of went through what we could achieve this season. And obviously, I suppose we got to Europe last year, so we're thinking ahead and we're getting all these people like Jordan Gibson obviously coming in, Greg coming in, all these these players coming in. We're thinking, listen, if this all clicks, anything can happen. But obviously, our, our, our goal was to finish better than we did last season which we did so as a group I think uh, yeah we definitely we definitely achieve our goal but the only thing is if we didn't if we didn't go through that bad spell what could have happened because Shams are dropping points Pats are dropping points if, if we didn't even if we picked up a couple of wins there what could have happened obviously we went into the break as well top of the league so uh, yeah it's a funny game but uh, I definitely do. I do. I do think we achieved what we set out. I suppose we would say, and we we say it almost every year as Sligo Rovers supporters that, um, and we've spoken about it a good few times on the podcast. You know, if we have, I suppose as a club, we try to put together the best starting eleven that we can within our budget, and then we try to uh, have either younger players that are going to uh, make up the numbers elsewhere, but. You know, when we went through that that difficult patch and, you know, obviously we had injuries and Gibson had left. Uh, is it as simple to say that it was really about personnel and those injuries building up and maybe losing some key players at key uh, moments of the season? Um, is it as simple to put it down to that? Uh, I suppose it definitely contributed to uh, that bad spell we had. I suppose Greg missed a few games through suspension and injury. Uh, then obviously Jordan leaving, um, they kind of they didn't help us in any in any way. But uh, um, I suppose it wasn't all down to that. I think uh, as a as a group we weren't performing uh, as well as we should have been. Um, I think. We kind of our style changed in a way. I felt like we weren't doing what we were doing the first uh, first part of the season. We weren't kind of going after teams like I think first part of the season teams teams didn't want to play us. Like we were, we were pressing them, and when we had the ball, we were keeping the ball. So we we're kind of running right in a way, like and we weren't we were winning games for fun, and then that. So we kind of took our pedal off, took the pedal off the gas then obviously injuries involved with that as well but um yeah as a, I just I just don't think we were performing as well or doing the simple things that we were doing at the start of the season right 
Yeah, listen, we won't focus too much on the, the negatives, but um, what was the sense of disappointment after the, the European game within the team as well? Because, I mean, they were really there for the taking and um, uh, you had played the first 60 minutes of the away game and um, things were going okay. Um, and then Craig got sent off and they scored the goal uh, in the dying minutes of the game. But on reflection, um, on, on reflection after both legs, did the team feel that they'd really kind of uh, missed a, a big opportunity there. Yeah, massively. It was uh it was massively disappointing knowing that um they were definitely definitely beatable. Um, obviously the first game was kind of not much happened in it. Um, we kind of we we're kind of thinking after Greg got sent off that just keep it and they'll, they'll bring them back to the showgrounds and then beat them there. But um, obviously at the showgrounds then I thought. First half, we had a lot of chances. I thought we were going to create things and we were going to get a chance or two that we'd put away and we we beat them. But obviously, it didn't go that way. Then they got a goal. And then I suppose we nearly, we actually nearly brought that game back. Obviously, Johnny got the penalty. Shamey came on. Shamey, Shamey done very well when he came on. Um, so it's, it, was, it, was, it was a tough one today, I suppose, um, knowing that. They were definitely very beatable. Uh, so you're you're from Mayo. What sort of um, sporting family background do you come from? Well, is it a sporting family? Yeah, massively. Uh, my dad, my dad worked for the FAI, so it was a football family. As soon as I got into it, and then my brother would have played internationally under underage, um, and he was over. He would have been over at clubs in England. He was over at Watford when he was younger, over at Brentford when he was younger. Um, then my other brother would have played for Sligo Rovers under 19 as well. And he played for the Mayo Miners, played for the Mayo under 21s. Um, so I suppose in terms of the sporting family, it doesn't come much better, I suppose. Yeah. And, um, and was, yeah, the uh, games out the back are quite competitive, so are they? Very competitive. Very, very competitive. And uh, what about Gaelic football? Was that ever an option? Uh, it was always there. It was always there. I would have always played it uh, when I was younger. Um, and most uh, my two brothers are both playing Gaelic now. They're only playing Gaelic, so the only one still playing football. But um, it was it was always there. But I always liked football. I suppose that bit more. So I kind of went that way when the under-17 came in because it was kind of a choice between that or Gaelic and obviously I went with football then. Yeah, so um, uh, so yeah, you signed to your contract. Um, you must be confident in um, the future of the club anyway and um, you must be happy with uh, the, the prospect of what's coming ahead in the next couple of years uh, under under um, the manager are you uh, uh, do you have any inside knowledge on any potential players coming in come on Mark come on Mark I don't I don't I don't I don't <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you, Mark, what do you look go on Dunner sorry yeah sorry no I was just going to say you were talking about your um, Goals at the start of the season and all that, but did you genuinely see yourself becoming such an integral part of the first thing? This soon coming in, um, 
going into preseason, uh, obviously because I didn't play really well, I got on two games last year. Um, there's always that kind of thought that the exact same thing could ha- happen, but the gaffer would always speak to me, and I kind of always feel confident that he'd give me a chance at some stage. And then going into preseason, kind of just thought to myself, I need to go and fly in here, play in most preseason games, and kind of make an impression in a way. And uh, I played, I actually played, I played in most of the preseason friendlies, but I would think it was that it was the Athlone game that I came on. And I ended up setting up two for Johnny and scoring myself, which I probably, I feel like if that didn't happen, I don't know what could have happened this year because I have a feeling, in a way, he might have thought, him, he might have thought, all right, he might be, he, he's probably, he's probably able for it. So, football's funny in that way, I think. Obviously, you need that bit of luck. I, I, I do think I got it that day. And then, obviously, first few games, he brought me on, kind of made an impression, obviously, Dundalk game. And then end up scoring a balls and then ended up starting me in the past game, which is my first out. So, um, but yeah, going back to the question, uh, I suppose I did see myself. I felt like I was, I have the ability to play. So, yeah. Is is uh, widen the rice um, your preferred position? Um, where, where did you play going through the going- underage? Well, I came in as a striker. First year, under-17, came in as a striker. And I scored. It was a short season. It was the first under-17 league round season. I scored 7-7. and So um, that's where I started off. And then I kind of moved to the wing then, the years after that. So either left or right, I'm quite comfortable playing off both. Um, I feel like I could play off a number nine as well in a 10 so I'm quite I'm quite comfortable in all those positions but I suppose this year um, playing right wing kind of was probably my best position I feel especially with Lewis Banks playing behind me I felt like we fed off each other so um, yeah I feel like right wing right wing quite comfortable there So your personal goals then for next season you played like two thirds of the games this this season um, I presume you're looking to increase that I suppose Definitely. But look, there's going to be games where I probably won't play next year, but in my head, I'll want to play every game next year. So that's uh, that's probably a goal. And then uh, I'll always set goals in terms of creating chances, scoring goals. That's what that's why I feel like I can I can provide. So hopefully going into next season, that, that uh, comes to fruition. Johnny, can he not nominated for Young Player of the Year? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, just speaking of that tonight or today, actually, I, I think that's madness. I think it's absolutely madness. Yeah, and your man, like your man Whelan for UCD, somebody was saying in our WhatsApp group, um, you know, he's a good player and all that, um, but he scored all his goals against Cavan Teeley and uh, Athlone Town. Exactly. No more than yourself, Mark. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that's, that's obviously a conversation that's happening within the club as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's madness. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I seen it. Mark, just one last thing for me anyway is the, how did you find the influence of Greg Bulger and Gary Buckley in around the dressing room this year? Yeah, I suppose you probably see on the pitch when you're watching uh, I suppose Greg, Greg doesn't show up the whole game 
he's like that in training. He's just he's a desire to win, a desire to for everyone to be at the level that he expects himself to be at. So he kind of he'll make sure everyone gets up to that level, and then obviously Gary as well. They both they're they're both winners. They both been at clubs who've won the league. They know the leagues and cups. They know they know what is expected from them. They don't expect it from us, so uh, both of them massively helped me this year. Uh, and just before we finish up, you're living with Niall Morhan uh, in town next season. Would you be looking to progress uh, to bigger opportunities in the residential side of things? You know, <laughs> bigger personalities. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be sticking with him, sticking with him for one more year. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, listen. Uh, Mark, thanks a million for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, well done on um, helping the team qualify for Europe again, and um, we look forward to um, we look forward to you, to you playing more football in the bit of red jersey uh, for hopefully another two years, if not more than that. Or else, you know, hopefully we look forward to selling you for a couple of million uh, to Premier League, <laughs> Premier League team. Thanks a million, Mark. Thanks very much, lads. That is Mark Byrne. Um, great to speak to Mark. And um, yeah, look, at there's, I think there's there's no doubt about it. He's a talented player, and um, I've no doubt about it as well that the, that he'll he'll um, he'll definitely push on in the in the coming seasons. And we look forward to seeing it. Jared. Yeah, just um, there's just something I want to talk about after after Mark's interview, just about the the cycle of players within the club currently. Yeah. Um. So I was just looking at the stats and some of the stats were provided by uh, David Gulden. Um, but over the last couple of seasons, like so if you look at this season, say like Mark actually made 26 appearances, 15 were starts and 11 were sub. Uh, Johnny Kenny made 34 appearances, I think 22 were start and 12 were a sub. So if you compare that to the guys that they actually replaced, uh, and there's a couple of players. Look, there's a few lads that were 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 replaced, but notably, uh, I suppose Kenny would have replaced, say, uh, Murray. Uh, Murray made three starting appearances last year, scoring uh, one goal. Um, so Johnny came in from making no appearances, making 34 appearances, replacing to a guy who's made two or three appearances. Uh, Mark Byrne made 26 appearances this season, 15 starts and 11 sub. I suppose you could say he replaced your man Noon. Your man Noon made 17 appearances last season. So you can see from that that our homegrown players are starting to come through, but they're not even just starting to come through. They're coming through and they're replacing guys that were signed from other parts of the country, but they're actually nearly doubling their appearances, doubling their goals. Okay. Yep. So you can see that the pathway really, really is working. Um, and if you're to look at this season uh, and pick out the likes of Shamey Kyo, uh, Killian Heaney, uh, McNicholas, uh, Shamey made 10 appearances, one start, nine, appear nine sub appearances. Killian made two appearances from the bench and McNicholas made four appearances. So if you look at those three lads, right, and you compare it to Bernard, Kenny made no appearances last year and Bernard made two. So already the lads that are coming up have made yeah. more appearances than the the lads that were been previously with the other guys so you can see the cycle of players coming through the pathway 
in that we're relying a lot more heavily on our homegrown players, but they're stepping up to the mark. Yeah, they're doing more than the fellas who've come in from elsewhere, from outside of the club. Absolutely, they're making absolutely they're making actually double the impact than the lads that they've replaced from elsewhere. So if you go on the current trajectory, you'd be thinking the likes of Shami Kyo, you know, there's probably 30 games in him next year. Yeah. The current trajectory keeps going. Yep. You can see the cycle, and it's amazing too. Sometimes, you know, like we can talk and it's about hearsay and kind of, well, I think this and I think that, but they're cold, hard facts. And you can see that the, 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 the academy is working, the pathway is working. And I think that will encourage, when you can show that, it's going to encourage more players to come. And one of the things that I was kind of possibly thinking about asking Mark was that, like, what advice would you give to young lads, say, for instance, in Mayo or Roscommon or, or things like that, that are kind of on the, the edge of, well, do I go and play, take my chance with the Myers or do I go and take my chance with, with Sligo Rovers? Like Sligo Rovers, if they're in black and white, that you, if you were good enough, you will be given an opportunity. Um, you go and look at uh, clubs like Dundalk. Dundalk, right, next season are going to be a completely different club than what they were in the last, last five to six years. But Dundalk have the lowest amount of academy graduates and minutes on the pitch compared to Sligo Rovers. I looked at it two years ago. I think we were the second highest. It was the season that UCD were in the Premier Division. We were the second highest after UCD. We had given over a thousand minutes in terms of academy players. Dundalk had given less than 45. Yeah, it's amazing. So we can back it up. And, and it's not just... It's not just uh, doing it for the sake of doing it. It's working. Yeah. <clears throat> There's really UCD, UCD probably isn't like for like either because those no. lads are coming into their setup much later. Yeah. When they're, think, when they're late teens. I think the gaffer has to get a, uh, a lot of credit for that as well. Yeah. Like it, it'd, be, it'd be awful easy for him to go out and sign. Uh, like you said, Jerry, last year when Dunleavy was gone and Jesse Davis was gone and Noon was gone. I'm sure it'd be easy for him to go and sign some other fellas from that played with Shelburne last year that you know had experience in the league maybe they saw the first division but he didn't he trusted the young guys coming through yeah. and now it's, he's been proven right and they've pro- proven him right and it was obviously worth it but you know it's, it's a gamble for, it is a gamble for him to take because it's, it's his job in line at the end of the day and uh, so he has to get the credit for it I think as well yeah like myself and Jerry were talking about this over a pint recently we were talking about Mark Burcham before he got the boot out of um, out of Waterford but he, he, he was ki- he's kind of the the type of manager that we would have had in the showgrounds over the years. A fellow comes in from England, he knows a couple of heads in the UK, he brings them over, they're half decent, they're decent players, he builds the team around that. Whereas, and like, we were, we were kind of saying, Jerry, he's the kind of fellow, you know, that we, we, we'd kind of expect to be getting. But that's kind of changing now. We're not relying on that kind of big gamble. Who, who does this fellow know? Like, you know, what, what, what lads does this fellow know across the UK or who has he played with previously? Or who's outfitted does he know that he can drag a few lads in? We're now, we've become self-sufficient. And the public will buy into that as well, though. You see, even here the last night, last game of the season, nothing to play for. Uh, a, a cold, wet night. And the place packed. Mm. Yeah. And that, like, the, the public will buy into it. Like, they're, they're watching, like, see, I was coming out afterwards and, uh, you know, remember everybody ran on the pitch and stuff. And there was a couple of young fellas now. I say young fellas, so I'd say there were eight or nine and at, I hear the master dad could go on the pitch, could go on the pitch. Next thing, dad, dad, Johnny Kenny's on the pitch, Johnny Kenny's on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Can we go on? Can we go on? Like, 
he's probably in the same school as him a couple of months ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and he's and he's like a hero to them. But I like you know what I mean. If 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 you get a team with with the the core of it locals, people will buy into it. And you'll well, you fill in the showgrounds. It's funny you say that about uh, Johnny Kenny because in front of us, when they were coming off the pitch as well, John Mahan gave his shirt to a young lad, and no, like that, I'd say he was no more than ten years of age. But he got the shirt and he ran around and celebrated with it. He was swinging it round. He was he was delighted that he got this shirt. It was yeah. it was as if like Ronaldo had handed a shirt to a kid. You know, he could. It was it was great to see because it wasn't just taken as a you know oh that's just John Mahan lives in town. It yeah. wasn't like, he was looking at him as if he was a god and like this was a serious serious thing to get from him it was brilliant to see and look, look hopefully those kids stick around and continue to support the club and grow up in the club it'll be brilliant yeah I think you're right yeah. Yeah, the credit has to go to the manager because it's, it's very easy to say to just presume that these lads won't be good enough or they're not up to standard yeah or not take the chance be, be afraid to take the chance because you know, if it goes wrong, it's your head on the chopping block. But you know, yeah. I think as well. Like I, I don't know. I don't know if this is um, if this is even makes sense. But you know, looking ahead to next season, right? I think um, because 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 there'll be more stability in the first team based on those young lads that are going to be there. There will be less um, less kind of room to to take in. Like the, the the players that we have know their ability. The players that are locked in, they know the, the, the potential of the team. And there'll be less scope to take punts on lads to make, make up the numbers for next season. Mm-hmm. We'll be more sure of the type of player that we want. And we'll probably also um, be, it'll probably, it'll probably also e- be easier for the club to attract uh, players from the outside if we do have holes that we need to fill and we probably will around the team we can't we won't be purely um, reliant on our own players but you know the likes you know I mean we, don't, we all know who we're talking about there was a couple of lads who were making up the numbers last season and like you can't afford we can't afford if, in order for us to push on now to the next stage we can't afford to have those kind of characters around the place I think I think we've made progression in that though too um, because comparing the the appearances and the stats say two years ago against this year you have a lot less kind of wastage so we've kind of we've progressed in that regard too in that say you might have had maybe maybe five players that were maybe weren't contributing two years ago last year was probably three yeah 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 so i would imagine come next season that could be one to zero. So I think that our numbers might be the same, but I think we'll get, if you look through the appearances, the appearances are a lot more spread out last year than they were the previous year. It was very heavy weighted in terms of certain players. Last year was the better spread. And I think, which made to a better squad, and I think come next year, it'll be even more evenly spread and less weighted in terms of certain players. Uh, and I think, again, credit has to be given to Buckby because I suppose football fans very much live in the here and now and we live week to week. But it's not until you sit down and you look at the stats that you can actually see the progression that's made over the course of not even one season, but two to three seasons. So you can see that he is building towards a better squad year on year and that's coming in a better position uh, table-wise. Yeah. Next year will be more difficult, 
but I think we'd be in a much better position and much better prepared. And, and like what you were saying there as well, I think we'd be able to attract a better player to fill the gaps that were previously maybe filled by guys that maybe weren't. Me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're we're in a situation now as well that already going into negotiations with, with free agents or fellas that are you know, potentially going to be signing for us. They don't have to ask the question about what's happening with Gary Buckley, what's happening with Greg Bulger, what's happening... 15 players signed. Yeah, you know, what's it, where's Robbie McCork going to be next year? You look at our squad, we already have a core tied down, ready to go. So, so like, we're already in a great position. Yeah. So, yeah, so anyone looking, any potential player coming to the club looks and says, right, they're set up, they're stable, they're ready to go. They, their plan is in place. Mm-hmm. I can see the project, what, who's involved in the project and where it is going forward. Yeah. Lee Buckley's staying, you know, John mm-hmm. Russell is staying. There's no questions over management and all that. Granted, we questioned management, we were wrong, Boom. flat out wrong. But going forward now, I think we're, in, we're probably in the most exciting time we've been in since 2012. Absolutely, it's a decade, yeah. It's a decade, giving, so. out, giving out, giving out, out the two-year deals as well, Sean helps. Fellas will be yeah. looking on Absolutely, absolutely oh, massive. Yeah. And massive. like that's always been one of the keystones that the club has required to be able to offer that kind of stability. I thought, you know, I didn't think we'd ever, I didn't ever think we'd ever be in a position to do that, like you know. And it's amazing to think that now that we're doing it, like you know. Especially, especially when you're trying to attract players to this side of the country. You know, to say, come up for a season, oh, I have to reroute out of Dublin maybe, because most of them are located in around Dublin or that, or if they're down south, you know, to relocate up to Sligo for what, potentially a year? Yeah. That's a massive move. Maybe that mightn't work out. It's not really worth me. Why? I'll take my chances and just move across to another club or in around Dublin or that. But now where we can offer the stability of those two years and, well, in Johnny's case, a three-year deal, but that's automatically going to bring players in. Players yeah. are going to want that straight away. And, and they're going to see that they're not going to be left on their own in a year's time. Even if you're offering them two years and they're looking around going, but sure, everybody else had a contract. We've renewed everyone's contracts. Yeah. I mean, so anyone signing is going to know they're there with all these fellas for two years. Yeah. So we can build something. And, and you already... know I like, like that, what Jerry was saying as well, you know, how the squad has progressed year on, year in. We're in that position as well where we don't have to take punt on lads who, if they're not injured, you know, these guys, well, if he stays fit, we have a serious player on our hands. <laughs> yeah. But they don't stay fit. They never stay yeah. fit. Look, that's not their fault. Look, the bodies aren't up to it, whatever it is. You know, you, yeah, feel, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. you feel sorry on lads because you see great potential in fellas that just can't stay fit. But we've had to take chances on these players over the last couple of years. But now we don't. Yeah. Now we're going into a season ahead with a squad of players that is, it's up there with anyone's. Honestly, it is. And I think Liam is only going to increase the quality within that squad. I think it's just so exciting at the moment. It's brilliant. Uh, just on that, what, what are we looking for from a recruitment point of view? Is it a kind of backup for the spine of the team, centre half, centre midfield, number 10 striker sort of thing? Not a number 10 for Jerry. I would, number I would nine. say that um, maybe we need a little bit more width in terms of midfield. Um, looking, the one thing that I don't think that we progressed on two years ago is maybe the likes of Chris Twardek. Uh, when Chris first came to the club, I thought he was absolutely shite. <laughs> he was an absolute coward, an absolute waste of space. But six months into it, and the six months from 
six months in and six months until he left, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He was powerful. He was direct. He was getting to the end line. He was pulling balls back into the box. Exactly what the likes of, you know, Johnny Kenny or Andre Wright, the type of ball that they would love. Yeah. I think we're actually still missing that. Like, if you look at, we have very much, very um, similar types of players playing like, like uh, Walter's very similar to Ryan. Uh, uh, Byrne is playing, you know, he was centre forward. Now he's playing on the, on the right or the left. We have a lot of flair, fellas that can play on the right or the left, but they're not wingers. Mm. So yeah. in order for us to progress, I think we need a different dimension. Like I'd even think about maybe keeping Andre Wright with a full season under his belt and you had wingers. And I think that's where you would see, like if you go back again when Bowes bet us 1-0 and Andre scored the goal, that was something, that was the winger getting down the line. I know It could have been Chris as well. I, I don't think it was at the time. No, it was uh, the buck who went to Brighton. What's his name? Uh, fuck, yeah. Great player too. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anyway, yeah, yeah. He went down the right to the end line, pulled it back, Andre was on the six-yard line and scored. That's the dimension that I think that we are missing. And it's also the reason why I would keep Andre Wright with a full season because he also gives you a different type of uh, way to play. Um, and pe- people say that Buckley is only one way to play. And I actually think that's bullshit, to be honest with you. As the season progressed, you could see that he did change Look, he was reluctant at times to change systems and things like that. But if you go back again to his time at St. Pat's, he had Anto Flood playing up front. Anto Flood was an absolute animal. Nobody could get near him, right? Pure out-and-out target, man. But they were playing with... So you had uh, Fagan playing with uh, Anto, and you had the likes of Conan Barron on the wing. Can't remember who was on the other wing. Out-and-out wingers, and that's the way they played. And I think if... The players were available to Liam Buckley. I think he would play that way as a as as opposed to just system A. But I think he does play different different systems. I'd definitely be trying to keep Andrew right if we could. Um yeah. And I think you're right, Jerry. I think if if he if we preseason make a huge difference and um he you know he'd have a better understanding of what 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 the team could do. Um it definitely, you know, it, things slow down from at the end of the season, which is it's difficult coming in like that, like you know, and Please, yeah. we're expecting the world of him, but <clears throat> we know what he can do. I don't know that. I don't know, Magoo. Would you be keeping him? Uh, yeah, in an ideal world, you, you would have right. Uh, you know, you, you've seen Andre over the last, like obviously, we don't you don't know him or everything, but just seeing his his career path and stuff, I, he, he tends to be the type of fellow now, even if there was an offer on the table for him, he might be kind of holding out to see what else is going to become available and stuff like that. So if if Andre was to sign back, you mightn't see him signing back until January type of thing. Do you know what I mean? It could be a last minute job. There's nothing else. But I definitely would. I think the dimension of himself and Johnny, where he can drop it, he drops in deep and he's bringing defenders with him, and Johnny wants to go behind, would it cause havoc? Like if if he gets a full preseason under him and he's he's fit and he wants it and he's willing and he's up for it. Like we seen what he was like with balls. Like so, if you two of them, as we were talking about earlier, if Johnny stays in that, it'll be. I think it'll be a frightening partnership, but yeah. like for me, I think we need uh, we we'll definitely be looking at getting more goals in goals from midfield. Goals, as Jerry says, for if you have wingers or even if it's the, the boys, like you know, what are the inside forwards or whatever you want to call them, but you need more goals and assists from them. Like you know, they're all pretty in the ball and stuff. But if you go through and look at the goals and assists of Ryan and Walter and that, uh, it's it's 
you know, you need more from them type of players, I think. Like, as much picking up as we're doing a Johnny and everything, he's 18, like, he's carried us over the line. You know, we need it more from the rest from the collective mm-hmm. around them. All the rest of the forwards need to be chipping in more of the world. We need to be chipping in probably more goals from midfield too, but we don't have. But, um, it, you know, it's probably nitpicking. Really, it probably is, like, cause, as you're saying already, like, we kind of are strong down the, in around the whole team. It'd probably be more padding out, but yeah, if you def- if you were if if you could if you could hand pick something, it'd be probably be more goals from midfield than from the other forwards. Yeah, I think the key to us um, moving forward as well as a creative midfielder. I think someone that just pushes us a little bit further up just link- closes that distance in between the striker and the midfield because I think at times our midfield drops that just that little bit deeper. They are defensive midfielders and. I, it just the, the space is too big, and I think even you've seen it with Andre, he's nearly dropping too deep at times. Yeah. It's kind of it's taken away from his own game in the end. But uh, I think if we can get a creative midfielder, like if you want to draw it back as Jerry was doing as well to to Buckley's time of pass, like he had a Forrester, you know that real creative spark that can really link in between the midfield and the attacks. So something like that, I think, and we even tried doing it. I think this season with the Freeze, I don't think he was fit for that role as such. I think he even needs to be further forward himself. But I think just that's something and definitely width. I think if we can get a little bit more width in, but just before you come in, we go, it's just something on Connor says, you know, do we get back up here and there? I don't think backup is what we should be going for. I think it's people who come in to challenge for positions, not fellas who are happy to sit on the bench and say, I'll get 10 games maybe throughout the season. You want fellas banging down Buckley's door on a Monday morning. Why am I starting? You probably only have maybe four players to come in. Yeah, just on that, Sean, the front, front, of my, front of my mind on that, sorry, Jerry, front of my mind is just when I think about the centre-half situation, we're the best centre-half pair in the country, but, you know, when they when one of them is injured, uh, you're, you're switching too many faces around the place to try and sort it out. That's, that's kind of what I meant yeah. by that, like, you know. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Well, on that, just on your last point, Connor, I would definitely be keeping Blaney if I could as well. Uh, I think he's definitely has a lot to offer. But uh, I was just going to ask you, Sean, when you were talking about the link, man, do you think uh, Seamus little cameo the other day offered a glimpse to next yeah. season? Big time. Big time. Thought he was brilliant when he came on. Brilliant. And I think he will. He he will be one of those as well that that does make that step up. And he, he can be that link in between. But you just, I haven't, he's very dynamic from what I've seen so far. What I, what I kind of mean by a, uh, creative midfielder as well is someone that's seeing those passes that nobody else is seeing on the pitch that's able to break through a line that's able to split a defence in two with a pass very hard come across don't get me wrong but just that kind of thing but definitely Shamey is is someone that can pull us up the pitch if you go back to the cycle and if you go back to the stats that backs it up I'm not saying it's going to come true but if if you look at what's happened in the past or the past two or three seasons that's that that is the trajectory that you would expect Shamey to come in and make that impact. Well, so, I think Shamey, Shamey has like a, people haven't seen uh, like a tenth of what Shamey can do. Absolutely, ability wise, like I I watched him for years down there. He he's the man is a baller. Like the, the kid is a baller. <laughs> if we get it out of him, absolute baller. But I think we are getting it out of him. Ago, I think he's got that bite back. Yeah, you know, I think he like that was a huge disappointment for him having to come home from Southampton. That's that's massive on a young lad's confidence, you know, because yeah. 
it, like, and hopefully he doesn't think of it that way. But you know, it nearly fe- feels like he failed yeah. having to come back here, and it's not the case. It's just a, it's just a small, it's a minor setback in his career. It was just, it wasn't, it wasn't your time. That's yeah. all it was. It wasn't your time. Your, your time will come if if you, if you're like he's, you're good enough to go over in the first place. So if you yeah. persevere and that, your time will come round again. And if he if he puts the head down in pre-season and plays like he can play, his time will come round again at the end of next season without a shadow of a doubt. But you could see in the appearances he made there towards the end of the season, that real bite was back in him. And especially in the Bulls game, I thought he just came into his own. Yeah. He was so impressive in that. Like he tra- okay, if, if Johnny had stayed on the pitch, sorry, I'm just finishing on Jamie. Yeah. If Johnny had stayed on the pitch, uh, he would have bagged himself another couple of goals with the true ball Jamie was putting through. Yeah. He would have been onto him with a flash. Like he put a few through in the last one, trying to, trying to cut back and you know, it was on their left side, he didn't want on their left side. Like Johnny would have just went, he wouldn't give him a shit, he would have went straight through and been hitting the first time. He put a, he put a lovely couple of balls through. So I think he, like, he definitely has that in his locker to be to, to play in around number 10, I'd say. 100%. I listened to an interview with uh, with Shamey uh, during the week. I think it was on the, the Rovers Review, uh, the Ocean FM podcast uh, with uh, Austin and, and Donal, uh, Donal Ryan. Um, and it's a really, really was really, really good show, and uh, but you could hear the the passion in Shane. Like he, he had the bite back. He had the confidence back. He was just just raring to go. Like and it's everything you wanted to hear. But I, if anybody's um, look, if anybody's, it's definitely worth to listen to the Rovers review. Check it out. It's really, really good. Do you know what? Before we finish up, um, we have one man that we need to hear from. Uh, he's been a significant contributor to the podcast over the season, um, coming all the way from the Carolinas. I can't remember if the North or South Carolina. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah. I might have to cut that better as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be, that'll be like yeah. 10 you were from the North or something. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just to clarify on him as well, it's not actually one of us. No. I've had a lot of people say to me, which one of you is that doing the accent? <laughs> it's not us. Well, I told you before, I, t- I still think it's Connor, but anyway. Sean Rourke is a real person who. He actually is... makes more sense than we talk. So. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, look at it. When we were in the bottom of the trough, he was the man that was saying, yeah. you know, okay. keep the faith. Yeah. yeah. And faith. I'm saying now, I'm putting a shout out. I think we need to have another GoFundMe or something to get Sean over for the European games. Yes. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Just get him over for the two games. He'd come for 10 days, go to the away in the home one. Sure, it would be yeah. great. <laughs> if you walk around town... Ta- well, you yeah, you can if he wants. If you, around, if, you go, if you go around town like a legend, so he would. <laughs> huh? He'd never have to put his hand in his pocket. Every man mad to buy him. Go around, with a, go around with a T-shirt. I'm Sean from America. Yeah. He'd never have to pay for a pint <laughs> <laughs> anywhere. It'd be great. Even yeah, Jimmy might put him up one. Oh, well, just the one, <laughs> We uh, we should be printing uh, Sean from America t-shirts as fundraiser for the for the trust. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's uh, your shouts in the shed end, uh, all the way from the United States of America. Here's Sean from America. This is Sean from America. You know, season's done, and uh, what a season it was. You know, up and down, but third place can't complain about that. Europe again, uh, finished pretty strong, just like we started. So all in all, can't complain. Um, we got re-signings for next year, pretty uh, strong core group of players returning. So hopefully we'll get to do it again all next year. 
and uh, go a little bit further into Europe. So, all in all, pretty good. Uh, looking forward to it. Up the Rovers. That was your shout from the shed end, and uh, that was Sean from America. Thanks to everybody who's contributed over the season from Dubai to Argentina, um, from um, Mayo to Dublin, uh, North America, wherever you might have sent your shouts in the shed end in. Uh, thanks a million. We really appreciate Germany. it. Germany, yeah. Um, you're China. on for, you're, China, yeah, Ian. Yeah, and, yeah um, Peru was right. Peru. Peru. Yeah, what's her name from Peru? should really remember her name. Um, yeah. Jerry, you had a few uh, shout outs for people who've uh, been in touch. Yeah, just uh, just a few thanks to put out there. So, um, thanks to Leo Gray. He wrote a few articles for us this season um, on the website. So his current one is uh, COVID nineteen Rovers twenty. So for anybody who hasn't read it, please do go and read it. It's really, really, really uplifting. Uh, we've all been through a really, really tough time, but um, it's a great reminder of all the things that Rovers have done over the last uh, twenty months. Just uh, another thanks to Jack. Dignan uh, for all his match reports during the season. We lost him about three quarters of the way through, but uh, he had exams and stuff like that, so we 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 forgive him for that, and we really really thanks to him. Like well. Romeo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Romeo no exam. Maybe Romeo should go back and do his exams because <laughs> he's never going to be a footballer. But anyway, I'm only joking. Um, Keith McGinley as well, just uh, for all the help in the IT stuff, and then Sue Katrina. Uh, Brenda, Audrey, Grania, Gary, the big dog, Phil Cullen, for uh, doing all the stuff in the, the shops around the ground, the teas and the coffees and all that. Made a phenomenal amount of money for the club and it's uh, like, like it's all going back into the club. So thanks everybody for supporting them as well. And look, um, just can't wait, can't wait for the season to start, lads. Just uh, bring it on. Uh, what, what about the, what about our player of the year? We forgot about that at the start of the season. And who who predicted what? Oh, oh, oh! Um, you're putting me on the spot now, Jared. Yeah. Uh, you said you'd write it down. I did yeah, write it down. I, I did write it down. And then threw it into the bin. Fired it. Fired it into the bin. Into the fire. Jerry went Robbie McCourt anyway. I remember yeah. that. And I said he was going to be. Everybody thought he was going to be either centre back or centre fielder, and I said he was going to be left back. I said he was going to be left back, and Sean said he, he won't. I did. The oh, it's there. You listen to the podcast. Did I say he wouldn't play left back? You would have pulled that. No, I tell you what, Sean Dunn said. He said he won't be playing left back. Yeah, I was just going to ask Sean, Sean, which Sean? Sean Dunn or Sean from America? Sean Dunn. Sean Dunn. Did I say that? You did, yeah. I said it'd be Greg Budger, so I wasn't too far wrong on that. Yeah. Sean? I have no idea who I said. <laughs> Uh, one of us said both would win the league. No one me was probably the freeze. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who said both was going to win the league? Yeah. I did. I th- yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Sean. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Dundalk would be uh, in the top three. I, I thought that was nailed on. Yeah. I, sh- I, sh- I shot you down. I shot you down at that that night. Anyway. I think you did. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so what about next season? What are our predictions for next season? Oh, we can't make that already, Jerry. We haven't seen no, the final. No, 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 no. Just what's our what's our thoughts for next season? Where where do we hope to be? I think for us next season, uh, progression now has to be. We've qualified for your two years in a row. I think we have to get our hands on a trophy now, probably. 
I would say progression. Whether that be a cup or yeah, like that, that should be our aim now from Saturday next season. We need to take the next step now. I, I yeah. think um, I think you're right, actually, Magoo. I would say if we all things being equal and knowing what we know about money going into certain clubs, I think if we finished third, again, we'd be doing very well. I think um, if the draws uh, went reasonably well for us from a European context and we did a couple of rounds um, and we made it through a couple of rounds, that would be brilliant. I'd be kind of happy with that. And a bit of a cup run would be good, right? Yeah. But I think progression in Europe um, would be a game changer for us. And it'd be something that we could really get, get excited about. Sean? Yeah, progression in Europe is through around at least, at least, if not more. Um, yeah, to finish third again would be huge, considering what we're going to be up against next year. Um, win a cup would. Jeez, yeah, I'm a good. Yeah, I like the thought of that. A day out in the Aviva would be great. It's yeah. been a lot of times since we've been out in the Aviva. I think we could be a really good cup side as well. Yeah. I think, you know, forget what happened against Cork this year, but oh, yeah. I, I do genuinely think, I think on our day, we're that kind yeah, of side that's really, really, because of our defence. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that five, we don't concede that much, so it'd make us a really, really good cup side. Yeah, win the cup next year. Fuck it, why not? Okay, so my thoughts are I don't think we win a cup. A fucking hell, Jerry. <laughs> just shot it down straight away. Yeah, I don't think we're going to win a cup. We're going to win the league. We'll get through two rounds in Europe. And I genuinely think that we've a really good chance at the title. <gasps> if we hold on to Johnny Kenny, honest to God. Totally and redeemed himself. <laughs> I know Jerry are going to sign. I know Jerry are going to be a force, but. I'm not convinced by Patching, not convinced by McLenny. He's injured more than he's fit. Duffy's the same. A very, very good player. Um, Ma- uh, Maher in goals, he's okay. Definitely not any better than McGinty. Jerry, I, think... so I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to cut across you at all. Yeah. But I actually don't even think Derry are going to sign that many more players. No. I, I think he's going to try and they're still think out that he's making, he's doing a project. Yeah. When the opportunity is there for him to actually go out and fucking spend money and win the league, but I don't think he's going to do that. I think. I right think. Tomorrow. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to give the young lads. They're going to give the young lads one, maybe two more seasons. Yeah, it's a project. Trying to bring this through. Exactly, and then <laughs> then they're going to t- be able to turn around and say, "Do you know what? It hasn't worked. Now we'll throw them." Yeah. So he, he maybe he doesn't have all the confidence that he would like to have in uh, Higgins. And he's not gonna, I was going to say, well, or maybe Higgins doesn't have the confidence that he had in himself. As Jerry says, to go, to go and throw the money at it and say, I'm going to get these players yeah. and I'm going to win the league. Yeah. Instead, I won't. I'll only get two or three of them in. I bring the young fellas through. Slowly, I have, my, fall, I have yeah. my fallback excuse. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you win the league this year? Why aren't you? Yeah. It's their two? The money is there. He said it himself. And he's like, brought two. Rory and he's brought two of his mates himself. back to the club. Rory Higgins has said himself that money is not an object. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's not a problem. He has said that to people within our football club. And we know that we have heard it from the horse's mouth that Rory Higgins has put his, 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 put it on the line, says that money is not, an, he has been told by the chairman that money is not an object. But I don't think, and as Sean said, I don't think that Rory Higgins will, has the balls to go out and actually go and get those players. I think he's going to try and hang on to the project thing. Quote, unquote. And I think they'll fall well short. Yeah, bringing, 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 bringing the homeboys home 
too yeah. will will buy in time in that regard too. Yeah, oh, look, it's, yeah. It's, it's a bit of an oligolus vulture about it, really, isn't it? But look, <laughs> I leave him with any luck. This one could come back to bite me in the arse big time, but um, I'd even make a call on, you know, Georgie Kelly's an imminent signing for them. Like, I think everyone knows that's going to happen at some point, but I don't even think that's a good signing. I think Georgie Kelly has proved with Dundalk and proved with St. Pat's that he hit a purple patch with Bowes. It's, it has worked out, but I don't think there's that much there in him. Oh, I'm, there'll be pinning photographs of Sean Dunn up in the dressing room and uh, up in the brandy oil. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Though? He's you a good-looking lad, though, isn't he? He's a good-looking lad. You know, you know, you know what? Though? They're all like they're all good players, like McIlhenny, Duffy, Patrick, Kelly. Like we all know, if they hit the right form, they're all great players, already. But the biggest advantage we have is that we're we're now settled and stabilised. We have fifteen signed from from last year's squad that 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 reached third uh, to qualify for Europe. So we're already a step or two ahead of them, and that they have to they have to fit all them in. And as has already been said, trying to keep them boys fit, McElhinney and Duffy is, is another matter altogether. So, and Bowes, Bowes are going to go through another rebuilding again. And I, yeah. how, how can they be that lucky to come across the quality yeah, of, of Devoy and Tierney again? And even, you know, someone to come in and hit the purple patch like he did, like Georgie Kelly, and get all those goals. Like they replaced Mandrew with Devoy. You can't do that a third time. Yeah, if you can, all well and good and fair play to you. That's an unbelievable scouting system you have, our youth system that's producing these players. But I can't see that happening again. And to be honest with you, if they don't win the cup, I'd say you could even see Keith Long gone because that's that's a, that's a failure of a season for them, considering what they've done last year and now with all the European money and everything else. Like I would be conser- very conservative in terms of making predictions, and I would be kind of very much a realist. But I honest to God think that we have a genuinely good title challenge next year. I think we will be top two without a shadow of a doubt. And I think we will win, win the title next year. Um, a couple of left field sub or a couple of left field uh, signings right. that I would put out is um depending on whether uh, JK stays or not will be one would be Porak Ammon from Exeter City because I think he will look to come home at some point. And the other one will be Stevie Lennon from uh, HK. He's 33 now. I know he's a little bit old, but again, I'm sure he would like to come back to either Britain or Ireland. So they're the two signs that I'll be putting out there. Are these Stuff two signs? Is he into the showgrounds, you mean? Yeah. Uh, what age is Amund? He's 30. He, was he 33, is he? And so is Stevie. Is he on loan at Exeter? No, he's signed there. Signed, is he? But come the summer. Yeah. You know, he's coming to the end. Like that little bit of experience, that little bit of news, like going back to the likes of Gary Twig when Shans won the league. You know, you can't, you can't, it's very difficult to buy that experience. Yep. And experience makes up for a lot of, uh, a lot of shortcomings. I, like I know he scored, he, he scored against us, but were you that impressed with Lennon? Yeah. Were you? Yeah, he, he scored more than once. He scored what, twice? Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think his movement and his cleverness, and he doesn't have to play as an out-and-out centre forward. He can play in the front three on the right-hand side. He can play number ten. Yeah. You know, I just think he's one of the most. I think he's probably the most clever footballer that we've seen this season playing against us. He uh, he spoke to Alan Colley before the mm. before we played them, and he sounded like he was very happy over there. 
Yeah, well, they're in, as you said, Thierry, you're on, they're second from bottom. That's true, yeah. You have to play in the second tier of the Icelandic League. You know how hard it is to get out of that? Yeah. <laughs> I saw I've heard. So, you never know. Just to the left field. Yeah, okay. Clever Are signing you... for us as well could be, I don't know what anyone agree with, Dan Massey. Dan Massey's been released yeah. by Tottenham. He's a winner. He's been there, done it all. And back, back, centre back. Yeah. 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 Love to see him come. Another one would be Finn from Shamrock Rovers. How is he going to fit in now with the with Cliff Byrne coming back? No, just I know he's a prick, but he said that. About <laughs> no, he's not. He's actually he's actually a footballer. Well. It's just the thoughts of signing the Shams player. Yeah. We said it over Bulger as well, though. Yeah. 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 But you, okay. need, but you need winners. You need winners. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it, yeah. You can never have yeah, winners. winners in the dressing room. No. Yeah. Are we uh, are we done? Hours, we should have yeah. been done an hour ago, but yeah. We had three weeks of pods yeah. to squeeze in. Yeah, oh, this is one of the best pods we've ever done. Yeah. Bear, bear in mind, we weren't on for legitimate reasons. It wasn't because we were winning. <laughs> yeah. as, as has been pointed out on yeah. social media. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, just to say before we finish up, thanks to, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, um, and thanks to, uh, I suppose we should also say a fair play to the committee uh, at the club as well for their work, their Trojan work, and probably get very little thanks for what they do. Um, and um, to Tommy Higgins as well, who's been good with his time with us as well. Yeah. Um, and we wish them the very best of luck next season. And um, thanks to everyone for, for listening. Thanks to the White Hag as well for being with us throughout. And doling out plenty of cans of beer and for, for facilitating our uh, our day out in the brewery with a great day out we will be back yeah yeah it was a highlight of the season yeah uh, we will be back uh, thanks also to uh, Barry Creed's listeners who um, were a big help Barry Creed's listeners in Sligo Dublin who were a big help across the season for the podcast much appreciated and uh Anybody else? Rory Houston for lining up some um, interviews for us across the season. Much appreciated. Yeah. Um, anything else? No, anybody who's listened, retweeted, yeah. commented, liked, sent in a shout. Yeah. Uh, anybody who who uh, interacted when we had the after match. Yeah, yeah. yeah any, anything <laughs> at all. Just, you know, oh, it, kept us all, it, kept, it kept us all going. So, yeah. Um, yeah. just, yeah, thanks very much for listening and it, it's been tough for everybody and I just hope that we kind of helped in some way, shape or form uh, to keep everybody, the Rovers family together and keep the, the spirits up and that's what we we wanted to do and hopefully we continue that into the future. So thanks a million to everybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did the Dublin supporters uh, club get their flag back after the Derry game? Yeah. Did, yeah. They sobered yeah. up and found it. Yeah. They're so <laughs> drunk they, had, they forgot they had packed it away. That's not true. It is true. It is true. <laughs> and they admitted it. <laughs> and I said they're raging. You brought it back up again. <laughs> it's not like those things to have a drink. That's strange. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, thanks again. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Connor. Thanks a million for uh, hosting the the show throughout the season. You've been unbelievable. Oh, yeah, Brilliant. Without you, we've got the done it. Ah, stop. Stop. Donner, thank you. Thanks a million, Colin, and thanks a million to everyone else. And 
to all you lads. It's been great crack. Hopefully we are back next season. Of course we And uh, Shane McGoom and Goldrick. Thank you, boys. Wiping the tears away from his eyes. It's been real. <laughs> That's a wrap for episode 49. We didn't make it to 50. Uh, but Start off next season with 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah big round number. When we, when we unveil our major new signing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the pressure on the board there now to give it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank you. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3 2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. 1 1. It's brilliant. 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 Here comes Quigley.